back to another episode of the Hero Ball Podcast. I'm Rich Davis, and I'm joined by my good buddies, Ethan Huffman and Elkin Beltry. You're now, guys. We are about to start off this podcast talking about what everybody's been talking about mm. in the NBA landscape, and that is load management. Guys, we're about to have a really, really uh, back and forth discussion where we're hearing all points and, and all all angles, right? You guys, uh, what, what, what's your stance on load management, y'all? Ooh, I don't know if you guys are ready. I might, I might get one of us uh, fired today with how angry and passionate I am with this load management. I apologize in advance. I really don't care. And equally, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's just if we're caring about a game in November versus in June, and I'm not, I don't know what Kawhi's knee and quad looked like. Let them do what they want. We all, we all know the solution to this. Mm-hmm. Play less Shorter games. Season. Shorten the season. Yeah, I will say, I'm, I do like, I want to empathize or empathize with the people who get frustrated by this for this one reason. Um, last season, I went to watch the New Orleans Pelicans play. And when Anthony Davis did not play, he was a game-time decision, and it was a load management thing. And I remember being sad because, like, oh, I wanted to watch Anthony Davis play while his tickets were cheap because he plays for the Pelicans and not the Lakers. And this is, like, early in the season when I was like, oh, they're going to be bad enough that it won't, like, he'll eventually go somewhere else and whatnot. But, you know, like, at the end of the day, like, I got to watch Julius Randle, who had an incredible game, scored, like, 40 points, and I still really enjoyed myself. I, I think the only amendment I would like to see, which just does not fix what set everyone off the other day, is I would like to see a day where load management only affects the team on the road, on the on, the, on at home, um, ideally, because then you're not like shorting the fans who never get to watch this specific player, but maybe once a year. Again, that's really hard to parse, but that is like my one thing that I empathize with. But the thing about this. The incident that set everyone off was Kawhi resting at home when Giannis came to town. So even then, it, there still would be plenty of people upset in these nationally televised games. But whose fault is it that we decided to nationally televise a game that was on the back-to-back? Like, you did this, NBA. You set up the schedule, and you've got to recognize any time that yep. there is a back-to-back, you cannot assume Kawhi Leonard's going to be out there and playing. But here's the thing. There are, like, 30 other... Uh, Tele- nationally televised games that the Clippers are going to be on. Kawhi's going to miss some of them because they're putting them out there as much as they possibly can. Mm-hmm. You'll get to see them sometimes. You won't get to see them other times. The way to solve this is to just not have back-to-backs, and I recognize they really can't do that with the schedule unless you extend the league year or you remove some games. So figure it out, NBA. But until that happens, I, I just, I'm going to empathize and say, you know what, I'd rather see Kawhi in June and if he thinks that that's what's going to make him be able to play well in June, then so be it. Yeah, my empathy feelings for hurt bodies is um, is stronger than my empathy feelings for um, not getting to see your favorite player the one time he comes to town. Have a, and that's that. Ha- have a less good, um, less injured favorite player. Yeah. And you know what? That's how, we, that's how you force topics, hero ball style. Yep. Oh, man. That was it. That was it. That's it. Uh, that's right. So, 
So, like, moving on, fellas, to some actual, like, things that I'm interested in. And a team that I've been really surprised that they've been so effective. Now, I could maybe look at these the game log and say maybe the Celtics haven't played the stiffest competition. But the Celtics are 7-1, and one, and unfortunately, um, there's going to be some difficulty coming up as they have lost Gordon Hayward for some amount of time. I don't think it's been determined how long yet. But the man broke his left hand, and he was playing so well. Guys, really disappointing um, for the NBA in general that Gordon Hayward's going to be out some some games now. Yeah, I heard six weeks um, was what was floating around there on, on, on the Twitters. Obviously nothing official, but, you know, usually when those things come out, they're not too far off. Um, you know, Boston's been playing real well. The, the most hilarious aspect of this is that, you know, Bill Simmons, I don't know if you were following his, him on Twitter. I, I saw I was, that like, in the <laughs> moment. I, I, oh, I, 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 I refreshed it, saw him saying, you know what, but try not to jinx it. But man, this Celtics team is good. And he went on and on and on. And, and then literally like, you know, 10 minutes later, then it comes out broken hand. Yeah, and I don't know, such a weird play too, like with the setting a screen and just getting your hand in the wrong spot, you know, like think about how many times, um, I don't know you guys, but I've always been a big guy when I play, how many times I've set screens and like, you know, people just avoid me in general because they don't want to, they don't want to bump into me and it's the NBA, you gotta, you know, you gotta body and go through and it's just unfortunate timing and hand placement just breaks his hand. Second, like broken hand that has been, uh, you know, of of much note, you know, Steph Curry going down and yeah, with, 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 on a flop. With, 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 with the classic, um, <laughs> you know, block charge kind of situation trying to, to, to do that. And, you know, got two stars going out on fluke injuries. Like this is, this is not what load management would prevent, but it's just, it is the, the thing that has happened. And so now Boston without their guy um, who seemed to, to be, you know, people saying, you know, it's like Utah, version of Gordon Hayward he's back which makes sense right and we've kind of been anticipating this takes about a year before you actually get to the court again but another year before you're actually back to yourself again Uh, we saw this with uh you know Paul George and we see it with athletes all the time it usually takes um you know that extra year and we were here We we were seeing it and it's just unfortunate what what else about this Celtics team has is there been any other surprises like I'm taking a look and I am looking at some uh, three-point percentage and saying I don't know if Jason Tatum will shoot 44%, Hayward 43, and Kemba 41. But like the team is moving the ball so fluidly. Like I want you guys to peep this their um, assist stats and four guys are averaging four assists or more. That's Kemba, Smart, and Hayward. And if, like everyone else is like aside from some bigs or guys who play some spot minutes is averaging at least one per game, which just shows like everyone's got like, you know, freedom with the ball in their hands to shoot freedom with the ball to move it, like get better shots. Like for what all the things that Bill Simmons, like historically talks about, you know, he is, his uh, book of basketball is all about the secret, you know, and it, that's not actually about basketball. It's about getting along. That really is like potentially kind of proving out with this team as it goes, because everyone's playing for each other and like well together. And it's, it's also been really interesting to see, even though I haven't like watched probably, but one full Celtics game, every time I pop them on, I'm like, wow, this team does look like they are just playing smart basketball. And, and it, it kind of like, stuck in my brain from watching them come back on the bucks um, in the second half of the like probably their fifth game of the season, it, that was that was an impressive showing that night. What's interesting is that you know this is a team that had 
a bunch of wings, right? It almost seemed as though like too many wings. Now they go down. Now it's okay. Well, we've got Jason Tatum. We've got Jalen Brown. And, you know, they're probably going to have to find themselves going small a bit now uh, for, for the extent that he is out playing more Marcus Smart and those guys we've mentioned with Kemba Walker. And I mean, it's going to be tough in, in some matchups, but it's, it's what you have to do because they don't have the big guys to really make it happen. You know, Robert Williams has played pretty well in in uh, some of his uh, you know smaller minutes. He plays about 16 a game. He's played pretty well. You know, Grant Williams is also playing about that much, and he's going to have to step it up as well because otherwise you've got Daniel Tyson, Enos Cantor, and neither one of those guys is really going to be incredibly impactful. I, I just I just don't see, I see them needing to really go small. Um, and with Marcus Smart, you're able to kind of do that and not suffer too much defensively. So you know, hopefully they'll be okay, but they're going to find themselves just in some matchups that they just can't overcome. Well, and there's, there might be some good reason to maybe look into moving Daniel Tyson in his canter, like for like a little bit higher dollar, better, like better big. And, you know, like it's, it's hard to say like if those trades are going to be particularly available. And I don't, but, you can't move Cantor until at least December 15. And by that time, you know, Hayward's going to come back sometime soon. I, I don't know about Tice because I feel but, like they resigned hey, I'm not sure. Yeah, oh, well, they did resign him, but like his, his next year's salary isn't guaranteed. But if you trade him, I believe it does become guaranteed. That's one of those things they they shaped up in the uh, in the uh, um, CBA amendments. Um, but I'm just looking at players like Simeone. Like I I don't know how many of these guys have value elsewhere in the league, but like they need a better center. Robert Williams played really good in his most recent game, but how much like how much can you expect that on a consistent basis when and grant williams has played really well but he's also gotten beasted by people with some size pistons here we'll take semi ojale for thon maker <laughs> oh no Richard, we're looking for solutions that, <laughs> no. that, that 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 helps <laughs> I, only the pistons i recognize this i recognize, i'm sorry I, I had to had to throw it out there i had to throw it out there yeah I, I don't know what the situation would be but i'm thinking about a team um the team I was kind of thinking about was Charlotte, and they have like like a Willie Hernan Gomez, who he's not a great defender, but he's a really solid rebounder, and I know he's not getting paid very much. Like, I'm just thinking about guys, like see if there's anyone you can plug and play, and maybe it, it just happens to work. Like he's not a very good defender, but he's no he's not worse than this Cantor on defense, who hasn't played very much this year. Like I'm just wondering if there is if there is someone available that you could you could plug and play, and maybe it just fits. Yeah, I just the difficulty is the money. It's finding finding the money matching uh, because you've got so much money invested into Hayward, and you I mean really the only person you've got media money into is you know Marcus Smart, and you don't want to trade him at all, and so it, it's really tough finding finding who that guy is because someone like maybe a Taj Gibson who can actually play, who can play some defense but is really finding himself in a weird rotation there in New York, right? But the problem that's is, actually really. That's actually a really good call with Taj Gibson, and he would be. I think he's making ten million dollars, is he not? I don't know. We we have to we have to look. We we can't do. I keep yep. doing this to you. Fake trade. Oh, Fake trade. Taj Gibson for Enos Cantor. Send Enos back and, to um, But again, you, Daniel Tice. But, but then again, you're sending out two bigs, and you're bringing in literally one, and it, it's they're in a rough spot because. And then you sign Joakim Noah as a um, as a free agent. The, again and and they're they're also they're not as bad as the 
as the warrior situation of being up against the hard, you know, hard cap. Like but there, there is a hard cap. cap that you've got to be aware of, and and so while it's yeah, let's go ahead and and make these trades and, and send these people out. You anything you do, it's gonna re- like like that. It's gonna require you to bring in more people who you have to pay more people when you get closer to that hard cap, and that that's tough. Just have to you have to see if it's worth it, and the, like of course the longer you wait, which we'd have to wait for December anyway, the easier it is to sign those uh those bigs to minimum deals for the remainder of the season and not hurt your your hard cap. But 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 if you're playing well, you know if if it seems to still be working out and and you are in that top three group in in the Eastern Conference, maybe you're saying you know what we've stayed afloat and we have Gordon Hayward coming back and he's been playing well and it's not like he can't be in shape it's it's a hand right he, he can keep doing all he needs to do with soft hand and so you know i you know who, we'll have to see how how it goes in these uh games without him but you know maybe maybe they are active uh once december rolls around let me ask you elkin because you've had a team recently that's been uh prodding around in the top four or five and uh, what the pacers what did they top out as a higher seed than that i forgive me because i don't remember but you've had a team that's that that's pro- poked around in like close to that you know best of the best in the East type of scenario. Um, how far are the the Celtics away from that? Like, are they one tr- like one really shrewd trade away from being as good as the Sixers and Bucks? I think they are. I mean, look at who they have with that with that core with a Kemba, even you can of course Tatum, Hayward, Brown. I think for me, you have that solid core right there. I think you are missing a solid big. That's what you're looking at. If you're looking at how they're playing this year, and I don't know if you guys even had a chance to watch the game on Thursday between the Hornets and Celtics, even just watching that, it was like, oh, Kemba had a bad game, but what happened? You had Hayward had a decent game. Tatum was making shots. And then I don't know how I don't know how good the three-point shooting is going to be. I think you guys brought it up how not just their main guy, but even their bench guys were making just a bunch of threes. But I see this as a team where they're able to throw different lineups. And for me, they're one piece away. But I still think also Hayward and Brown, more Hay, not Hayward, while wow, Tatum and Brown still have another leap to make, especially Tatum. Like, it seems like Tatum, this is like, for me, his actual second year. Last year was like, it was like a year that was just horrible for him. But now this is a year where he's developing more and. I think they're one piece and one year away still. And I, I know they expect them to go now, but I think they still need another year of seasoning with these guys too. And they're also an issue where they can't really trade Brown anymore because they went and extended him. And it becomes a weird, uh, like weird CBA rules where the outgoing salary and the incoming salary um, are really tough to, mm-hmm. to match up. Because yeah. if you send Brown out, it's the average of – uh, it, it's average salary. It's not just this year's salary um, versus, you know, what, what you're bringing in, and so that makes it that makes any Brown trade now very tough. Yeah. So we'll see. I don't know what what pieces they have that they can move around other than what you've mentioned, Ethan. But I I wanted to bring Elkin into the conversation there, especially because I still think one of the best. Like I don't know if it'd be perfectly mutually beneficial, but some kind of Jalen Brown and Pacer big swap is still like something that's in my head as but I, that makes sense. But I think that the moment, like, I'm, I'm not sure. Cause I know that they both have, you know, you, they've gone in, they've extended both of those guys. I, I'm not sure exactly. You, we need to look at, I don't know if we can find that out right now, 
but yeah, no. Well, I did a fake trade real quick just to see what the the, the tradeNBA.com mm-hmm. would tell me. Yeah, and I don't think trading they have it, J. Though. Yes, trading. Yes, come on. Let, let, let me finish what I'm <laughs> saying, ahead. sir. Go ahead. The 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 trading Jalen Brown for for Miles Turner, which was 18 million in in comparison to 11.5. It's saying they can only take back 11 and a half, which I know is not 100% true. But here's where they do tell you. If you cut six and a half million, so it's like a, between eleven and a half and six, so I guess I think they had to bring in like to, for equal value it would have to be six and a half plus six point four, so twelve point nine is the approximate like equal trade value for Jalen Brown on his extension. So that's my math. Is it right? I don't know. Let's move on. All right. Going out. Let's go move on to um, unfortunately the Lakers. Who have? Uh, hey, is this a national national media podcast I, I mean, talking Celtics Lakers? It probably is. Just wait, wait, wait. Just wait. We'll eventually, we'll, we'll get we'll get to uh, better topics here. But with the Lakers, you know, the Lakers have been playing very well of late, and uh, it would go to to reason. It's maybe it's not just Anthony Davis and LeBron James, although both have been playing well. But there has been some of the other guys who've been going and contributing. And the question that we've got to ask is, of course, is Dwight Howard back? Is he back? No, but is he here? Yeah, it's like he Dwight Howard is existing in a very good place for himself right now in that he's blocking a lot of shots. He's grabbing up some rebounds. But more importantly, the guy is moving like moving again. And I remember, like, as much as, like, I was, I've always been kind of a bit of a Dwight Howard stan, and I defended him when he was on Charlotte putting up good numbers, but he looked bad. I was like, well, like, let's see if he's, how healthy he is. Like, if maybe, like, he played A1 games, but, like, I feel like he was still gritting and grinding through it. He put up 16 points and 12 rebounds that year in Charlotte, and then last year missed the whole, whole year because of a glute problem. Like, the fact of the matter is, like, he looks healthy right now, and he's moving well. And if you keep him on like quote unquote load management, playing 20 minutes a game, is this sustainable? And I think yes. It's it, here's the thing. It's like it's a different type of game than he's necessarily been playing though. In some of those other stops, where he's been putting up you know near double or double double numbers, right? It, it's a different type of thing where he is because he's dropped weight and because he's saying you know I'm not just going to need and and take a bunch of post touches. I'm going to try to see what I can do, even though plays are not run for me. Like he needs to continue. Like I know that he's had that mindset initially. People have doubted that he would uh, be willing to live within that mindset. The question is, as he continues to find success in that, is he going to say, well, maybe I could do more. Maybe, maybe we should do more uh, and run more offense for me. As long as he continues to say, you know what, this is, um, this is exactly what we what I need to be doing. I need to just keep on trying to do this. Then I think it can be sustainable. But uh, he's got to make that decision. True. And then Pe- I was peep- peeping some thir- per thirty six numbers and his rebounding average. No, I, Richard. Richard, relax. Your face is not relaxed. Uh, I, I, I just relax. I can't I can't <laughs> deal with per thirty six numbers for bench guys who we know are you- never going to get more minutes. Like. 
Okay, well, buddy, I'm not talking... Okay, let's do per 100 possessions. I wanted to do a comparison to what he was doing earlier in his career. And, like, I'm just comping minutes he's on the floor, what's his effectiveness level. And so, per 100 possessions, he's averaging 17 rebounds, which is pretty comparable to what he averaged most of his time in the league. Like, he's doing really well with his time. And all I'm saying is that when he's on the floor, he's playing similarly, rebounding-wise, to how he used to play. And that's all I wanted to say, Richard, because per 36 minutes, it was the same deal. Relax. He shouldn't play more minutes. He should play 20, because that's where he's at his most effective. You don't assume things, Richard. He averaged in Washington in those nine, nine games last year, 25 minutes, 13 boards. But no one would say he was good last year. Richard, I just I don't want to talk to you for like three minutes, so I'm not going to. <laughs> All right, I think we better go on from the Dwight Howard situation. But weren't we? Didn't we also say that this roster, obviously LeBron and Anthony Davis, still work things out? Didn't we? Beginning of the year, I felt like we we're all like bringing in all these guys. Can this actually go ahead? So here's one thing mm-hmm. that we've not one variable we've not had to deal with yet, and that is Rajon Rondo. Also, we've not had to deal with Rondo because he's been injured. Well, guess what? He's coming back. And from the looks of it, do we think that Rondo is actually going to come in and get more minutes? Because this has been a Lakers team that's been uh, playing very well defensively. Mm-hmm. Rondo is not, not a good defender anymore. He's not. Do we think that putting that variable into this equation is going to be a thing that is helpful or harmful for this team? I think it'll make not that big of a difference just solely based on like the guys who he whose minutes will be taking are, are not good defenders the one problem with him is even though troy daniels and quinn cook are shooting the ball poorly at the moment they still require you to close out on them and that's the one change that'll happen is he's going to take minutes away from those two guys specifically defensively i don't think he changes anything comparatively to those guys like they both they both suck at defense too um however he will not be guarded from three like they are. And even if he shoots a better percentage, I don't know that the offense will be as good because there will be less layups available. And it's a different type of offense if you got Rondo running the point guard. I mean, obviously all of these are probably without LeBron James on the floor would be my guess because what's the point of Rondo out there with with, with LeBron? Um, Yeah, that can't happen. He has to play the opposite, like anti-LeBron minutes only. Exactly. And and so – as I, but as I look at it, I just think to myself, man, I would just rather n- not have him in there. I just don't see exactly the, the, the value or benefit that Rondo uh, brings at this point of his, of his career. For me, I'm anti-Rondo in, for, for this team. Um, but who knows? We'll, we'll have to see if, if they can. I mean, if, if you've got LeBron James out there and you've got Anthony Davis out there, maybe it, does, it just doesn't matter um, as long as those guys are healthy. And if you're Frank Vogel, I would I would play plausible deniability and be like, hey, like we don't know how health we, we know you're healthy enough to play now, buddy. But hey, look at this team, you know, like we we've been we're seven and one, like we lost one game to the Clippers, like opening night, like let's let's I said I don't want to I don't want to mess things up. Let's ease you in, you know, like that's what I would be pitching to him and like really wait like I don't know almost for another injury to like kind of force your hand because like Rondo I I like. Like I, I have watched a lot of Lakers games because I live with a Lakers fan now, and I individual games for some of those 
uh, five to ten minute stretches when LeBron doesn't play, they need another. They they have needed another ball handler. Those teams have been th- those lineups have been really good defensively for whatever reason because I feel like they're they're playing the Tom Thibodeau. No one scores. <laughs> We're gonna go even, even, zero and zero. <laughs> but um, I I do think Rondo could help some of those bench lineups where they really struggled to have any kind of consistent ball movement. But Alex Caruso has done really good. Uh, since he's been playing there, like he 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 might be the actual fixer versus Rondo, who would who would you know he'd be drilling another hole in the boat to help the other one not give up so much water. Yes, please, Ethan. I'm a thousand percent in agreement with you. So those three minutes have have done done us some good. <laughs> and uh, we're back. Alex Caruso is has been who I want to be getting all those minutes. Let's kick Rondo to the boat. Uh, Rondo Ron to the bench. Have him stay there. Alex Caruso. Alex Crusoe doesn't need to shoot better, though. Yeah, that's okay. He will. Now, Ethan, there was a question you had about whether Wait, something was, was real or not. LeBron James averaging 10.5 assists. Is that real? That was the question you posed, Ethan. I'm going to throw it back that's in right. your face. What do you think? Well, I think it is pretty real. Um, LeBron has to do so much creation for this team because, like we said, when LeBron's down the floor, they do have a little bit of trouble. And I think... LeBron is going to have to continue to set most of these players up like this team. Unlike the team from last year, they have surrounded him with, even if they're bad percentage wise, they are quote unquote shooters. The Avery Bradley, he is a quote unquote shooter. In other words, you have to make the play for him. And there's only two other guys who really can make their own plays. And that's Kyle Kuzma and Anthony Davis. So I think LeBron will have to continue to be an assist machine if they want to be the highest level of successful. And if you're passing to Anthony Davis and setting him up, I mean, that just, he, that's going to, more shots are going to go in than he, he does good things. Yeah. So that, 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 that's useful. I don't see why it can't stay. He is leading the league in assists per game, I believe. Um, and you know, who knows? Well, if we see this for the duration of the year and if people begin to uh, make, make a big stink about it, you know, LeBron's going to be up there in the in the top few for MVP uh, vote getting. He said he's not, he's not. I think probably in response to Kawhi, he's like, I want to be playing games. He does not plan on sitting out uh, very many games as far as for, for rest is is concerned. So we'll see. Well, I respect that. If you want to play, you should play. He also didn't play a lot last year, so. Well, he did get hurt, Rich. I know. Let's not be. And then but I'm just saying he didn't play the postseason. He got he got rest for the first time in like forever. Oh, that's oh, that's true. You're talking about the fact that he didn't make the playoffs for the first, like he was he was injured. The second time in his career. Yeah, he was injured, and then they didn't make the playoffs. So you, I mean, obviously he had to recover from injury, but he's been rested. He's and you know, whereas Kawhi uh, usually you know did the thing that LeBron usually does and going all the way through to the end. So. All right, I see a Harden plus. Russell equals question mark on the doc. So I don't know who wrote that. That was but me. Someone, please explain. Uh, so, so with this Rockets team, right? We we're aware. You know, right now they're six and three. But if you begin to just like, if if you were not paying attention, you were just hearing just the narrative, you would probably assume that this team is is having some of some of their similar early season, you know, faltering. And you know you. You know, this team themselves, you know, they are operating at a really high pace like we'd expect them to. Ethan, what what is their pace ranking? They were number one in the league. 
but I don't have their page Let's pulled see. up right they're now. They're second. So right they were, right now. Exactly they were now the number two, but they're, they're still right up there, up there still at the top. Up there. Still up there. Um, which is a little bit a little bit different, obviously, than, than last year, right? Because last year their pace was much lower because it turned up being a whole bunch of hardened ISOs only. And and now we've got Russ. We have this some different dynamics. So they're, they're leading up there, leading the league uh, in, in pace. Their offense has been unreasonable. You know, they, they've... They've been scoring a ton and ton of points, but their defense is, well, really awful. And, you know, if you begin to think about it, like, is this a team? This is a team that has championship aspirations. You don't trade for Russell Westbrook and and not have those not have those goals. Is this a team the way that they are currently constructed where they're going for all offense, no defense, kind of a, all right, James Harden, you need to get your all of your shots up. We're going to take a bunch of threes, lead the league in three-point attempts. Um, is this, like, do you see this team being sustainable? Are we going to see the same issue that we see with the Rockets every single year where they just, they can't make it happen come playoff time? I see same issues, and I think it's going to be more amplified with the Russell Westbrook in there. Even just looking at, I know we might be getting ahead of ourselves, but that game against the Heat, like, even looking at that example, like, Okay, I know Ethan's smiling right now from ear to ear, but literally at the end of the first quarter when it's 14 to 46, like right there, I'm worried about it. And I don't know if you guys have pulled up some of the, I was looking at some of the Rockets, uh, the games, kind of looking at Westbrook's plus minus. And like, yeah, Westbrook hasn't played all the games. He's There's some games he's had to not play in, but I'm looking at it and sometimes I'm like, James Harden is probably better off Without Westbrook, I mean, there's some games Westbrook has done great for them, like giving them a good plus. But it seems like when those two are playing, you're still having that confusion where who's going to handle the ball. Westbrook still doesn't know what to do off ball. I don't know if you guys have watched much Rockets games. Westbrook is still struggling to do figure out what's he going to do off ball when James Harden is dribbling over and over again. Because when I watch those games, Westbrook finds himself like corner or angle three and he stays there. He like he goes back and forth. He doesn't make a dive to the basket or anything. He's just like I'm gonna watch James every time, and everyone's like, "Oh, look at Westbrook's reaction to a James Harden three. But I'm like, the entire game he's just standing there, and it doesn't help their team out. Like I wish, like for me, it's better like yeah, have them start together. But if they alternate, have them in the game, like that's probably and they've been doing that. That's like for me the best thing for them when it, they're taking turns being in the game, and that where I feel like there's getting better results. So they run completely different offenses, the two mm-hmm. of them. Like, and I, I wish I could remember the exact quote. I was listening to a podcast. It's like some people play bad, just play bad basketball well, and that's the the exact definition of Russell Westbrook. Like he's been he's been a bad basketball player that's been really good for a long yeah. time. Like it's it's weird. Like all most of the things he does don't make any sense when you're watching them. Like that that's a bad shot. Oh, it happened to go in. But he does it so consistently that he he gets away with it and it's okay, and he's been a phenomenal player. But then you're pairing that with James Harden, who technically speaking is doing everything correctly in terms of like all these efficiency metrics, and so they just clash, and they and the, the clash is is noticeable when you watch James or watch Russell Westbrook float from corner three to uh, at the break, corner three to above the, at the break, doing nothing for the spacing or offense. And so I agree, a stagger is needed. And honestly, I would say Russell Westbrook should have the ball in his hands occasionally a bit more when they share the floor just to help 
Like James Harden has to be guarded, and if but I think James Harden has the same problems off ball as Russ does, so I really don't know if there's a long. But it does make more sense though for Russ to be that almost that main handler because who are defenses going to be more scared of out in the three point line? Even though James has been rough to start off the year, they're going to be scared more of Harden out of the three point line. And I know Russ. Right. And I know Russ for but, me. And I know for me, Russell is more of the. I think James Harden's a more gifted passer, but I think you brought something up with which. Sometimes James Harden, when he's off ball, he doesn't know where to put himself to make it so, like, you can pass it to me, give me that open shot. I think he's doing some of the same thing. I think you brought that up. He's doing some of the same things Westbrook does when Harden's off ball. Is these guys just don't know how to feed off each other. But it's still only, what, eight games into their into their tenure? Go ahead, Richard. So one thing, that, just some ridiculous stats that, that are out there. Um James Harden is taking 14 and a half three-point shots a game. Yep. Shooting 30%, mind you. 30%, right? 14 a game. He is leading the league in uh, total points per game. 37 points per game, which is uh, Dame Lillard, I believe, is second in this. And he's Dame Lillard is second in three-point field, field goal attempts as well. And, well, it's... I don't know, guys. I with this, he's gonna he's gonna put up unreasonable stats. But at the at the end of the day, no, I feel like we're gonna be in the same spot. No one's gonna buy into this Houston team, and they're gonna wish they had traded for Andre Drummond. Uh, you know, during the offseason. Well, yeah, Andre Drummond would be perfect for a team where your best player shoots thirty percent from three. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, every he has so many offensive rebounds, it's ridiculous. He might have, he might even average twenty five rebounds a game for an entire season. Certainly could happen. I I think the 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 gamble the Rockets take is that they have you can, they they play the season in small sample sizes and they get the correct small sample size. In a, in a series where they're not favored, and then they happen to win. Like, that's honestly kind of what they have to root for, is that Russell Westbrook shoots 33% from three in a series that where his expect, expectation is like 28. That's what it takes for the Rockets to be successful. Oh, there you go. All right, guys. Blake Griffin returns Monday. Yeah. Hooray! After the Hooray indeed. After Pacers and Pistons, he had three games together. It was so horrible. I'm so mad at the schedule, schedule planners for the NBA. Oh. Oh, yeah. Well, you guys would have lost all three then. It's been trash. It's been trash. But Blake Griffin, I am excited. I am excited to watch him play. I hope we get more of the Blake Griffin from last season, Richard. I hope we get that guy coming back. I mean, I, I do as well. The here's, here's the unique thing about Blake Griffin coming back this time. So with Blake Griffin being back in the lineup, you know, Andre Drummond, we, his playmaking is going to, to decrease because, well, now we have someone to actually handle the ball. Uh, and and we'll do we'll do that within you know the way that they play their game. We haven't really had that because all of our point guards have been injured. Derrick Rose has been out; he'll still be out. Uh, Richard Jackson uh, has been out, and he'll be out for like probably about another month or so. It's not been, not not good look not a good look for him on that front. And with that, we've got a weird lineup. In the past, we've not liked to have Luke Kennard with Blake Griffin at the same time because it Luke Kennard is not able to get the, the types of shots that we would want him to get. But because we don't have Reggie Jackson there, we've been playing Bruce Brown at the point guard. And so we just don't really have the guards and bodies. I'm, I'm curious as to what the rotation will be like once Blake Griffin comes back. Uh, 
for for the for the Pistons. But I'll, I will tell you, it, it will be nice to have someone in there who you can just kind of trust. You know, hey, get the ball to him, let him do his thing, and and because we we've not we've not had that, and it's it's been you know the Pistons are a little under five hundred. They've it's you're happy to kind of be where we are. I think you know four and six, but you know with with Blake coming back, the hope is maybe we can actually begin to make a bit of a surgence and you know find our way solidly into the playoff uh, picture. I would usually say when you insert the team's best player back into the lineup, everyone's everyone else's field goal percentages should bump up a little bit because they're going to get a little bit more open shots. But Richard, the the thing is, your shooters are shooting really well this year. They are. Like if you look at um, Luke Kennard, Langston Galloway, Tony Snell, and like Marky Morris, like those guys together are, I believe, right around like forty two percent, like together as you know, all of them taking shots, and so. That was that's basically the opposite of what we had going on last year, where it was really Luke Kennard, and if Langston Galloway had a good day, then there it was. Um, and obviously, Wayne Ellington would come in, but like our overall shooting percentage, we had people taking threes that shouldn't have been taking threes, and I think that's been part of the help. We've said, you know, we're thawing, we're not having you shooting many threes. You can take one every game, maybe, and that's about it. And we've been limiting our outside shooting to people who can actually take good outside shots. And and so maybe we get more, maybe you get a little bit more space to um, not going to be, maybe it's just, we can sustain it now. Who knows? I'm not sure. Yeah. that That's what I'm rooting for. Like on behalf of the Pistons is that the in, uh, insertion of Blake Griffin allows some of these percentages, which I mean, 44% from, Snell, 42% from Lynx and Galloway, 42% from Kennard. That one's probably fair. Um, those Maybe those guys can uh, maintain or at least stay at like the 40 mark for the season. And then when you add Blake Griffin as, you know, his, you know, 20 and twenty and 9 kind of guy, you guys all of a sudden are winning at a, uh, a positive clip instead of just under 500. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to see. I'm, I'm hoping that it, it helps uh... – we're able to we're able to actually overcome some of that, but you know what? We probably won't have our, de- our game density is going to decrease. Although you guys get a little bit lucky, you guys get to play uh, the Pistons um, on a back to back on on Tuesday, Ethan. So maybe maybe they'll sit Blake. Who knows? We'll see. Wouldn't matter. We have J Butt. We're gonna we'll 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 we'll, 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 we'll revisit this a little bit later. We'll see. We'll, well see. Andre Drum is going to get a lot of rebounds that game. Yeah, he will. He will. Um. Let's get to the last thing that I want to talk about before uh, before we go. Maybe you guys have something else you want to add, but here's the last thing I want to talk about, guys. Golden State Warriors. We don't need to talk about them very much in depth, really at all. I just want to know: Can you name every Golden State Warrior who start, started a game this season without without looking? Oh, this is what you've been trying. Okay, this is what I was trying to get at the beginning. I said, "Hey, don't don't pull you, up their page." Can you give me a number? Of how many ones there are. How many started? How many? Okay, can we count? Counting on podcasts. You asked me. Eleven people. There's the obvious ones. Let me go. Are you going to go obvious or not obvious, Ethan? Well, I'm just going to start saying names. Start saying names. Steph Steph Curry. Steph Curry. Draymond Mm -hmm. Green. Eric Pascal. Mm -hmm. Jordan Poole. Yep. Kai Bowman. Mm Mm-hmm. Willie Cauley Stein. Mm-hmm. I don't know. If, I don't think Kevin Looney started, but I want to say Kevin Looney. Did he start a game? He Richard? started a game. 
All right, so that's seven. You well, say, let's uh, see here. You want me to put in a name? D'Angelo Russell? Who do you D'Angelo Russell. Russell. Of course. That should have been obvious. Oh, gosh. And then from there. We've got eight mm-hmm. out of the 11. There are three more. Shoots. All right, so which other guards have been? I'm trying to think of guards right now that have started for them. Oh, I don't feel good about this. All right, what position are the Alec Burks. Alec Burks has started a game there we for go. them. We've got we, – we Glenn Robinson the third. Yeah. Glenn Robinson the third. And then finally. Damian Lee. Nope. Mm. Doubt. I don't know the last one. Who else plays for this team? <laughs> this is the question. Who plays for this team? Who else plays for this team that's actually, like, not mm. – Okay. Did, did Marquise Chris start a game? He started there a game. There go. it was. Ding, ding, ding. We have a winner. Can right. you guess who has started every single game for this team? D'Angelo Russell. Nope. nope. No, he missed a game. He missed Shoot. He missed three games. Glenn Robinson III. Glenn Robinson III has been the one playing all ten games. You didn't mention him until like the ninth or tenth person. I knew he started the first game. I just I didn't think about him because right. I was trying. I was kind of like – Focusing on who am I gonna forget? Because I knew right. I'd get him. Mm-hmm. Man, it, it's it's rough out there in Man. Golden State. It's all it's all I really wanted to say there. When you when you when you have those eleven guys, eleven Kai Bowman people on a two way starting, having game started games, not good. I mean, that gets you fifteenth place in the West. <laughs> it gets you fifteenth. It gets you gets you the first overall pick, perhaps. Well, we'll see. Pretty close. Uh, Unfortunate that your first round pick from a year ago hasn't started a game because he's been hurt. That 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 is rough. Uh, Warriors who have not started games: Jacob Evans, Omari Spellman, and <laughs> Damian Lee. Oh, they have a Spellman on there. I forgot they had Spellman. Oh yeah, he got traded. He's uh, played in every game. Jones. He's oh, played yeah, but he, he sixteen stinks. minutes per game in ten games. Yep, if that guy weighed 40 pounds less, he might be able to move at an NBA oh, pace. Oh, oh man. Hey, <laughs> you know what? Facts are facts. You know, if I weighed 40 pounds less, I still wouldn't be able to move at an NBA pace. So, you know, as long as we're being honest with ourselves. Eric Pascal, is he going to get Rookie of the Year, gal? 16.4 no. points okay. per game. Eric Pascal is good. Yep. Oh, don't, man. don't get it twisted. Eric Pascal yeah. is a good Spellman, on the other hand, player. I think Spellman had one of the worst. I think he had like a blooper. The other the other day and then he like airball a dunk I think he might have airballed the dunk close to it he I believe can't... it that guy yep. can't jump KCP airballed the layup the other day yep finger roll no one was really there still getting paid millions Rich. though yeah man I wanted to I wanted to pay KCP Richard what what's the deal with this KCP guy because I keep defending him as a decent player and it's just getting harder and harder my no man. listen the moment he moment he left Detroit I don't know what happened when he when he got to L A like maybe I don't know what it is, but he, he needs to get out of there. Like I recognize that you are with the rich Paul bandwagon and that you're just getting, you're getting checks. And if that's all you care about KCP, then keep getting them checks. But if he want, if he needs to become a better basketball player, he needs to get out. The problem is, is he going to find a job anywhere else after? I mean, after but even, even the first season for the Lakers that he had, it wasn't bad. Like, when he was not in prison, during those he still times. played 74 games but if we recognize look, but if we look at i mean he was averaging field goal percentage was like 42 percent 38 percent from three point averaging 13 points not detroit level but shot better than he ever did in detroit 
not saying, but now he's just like. Why does he sting at defense too, though? He stings at everything. His uh, his point of the attack, you know, on ball defense was pretty good in the past. But yep. I his his off ball defense was he could get caught looking at that times. And I don't know, maybe it's maybe it's the defensive system. But yeah, it's just his defense. Listen, you got them. He got some checks. Yeah, he was such a positive defensive player back for Detroit during his last couple of seasons, and then I mean maybe that's what happened. We get some checks, and on uh, one last thing. I hope we all heard what the NBA on TNT crew said are the two things that Hassan Whiteside's good at now. I hope all of you heard it. I didn't hear it. Tell me. Going to the bank and catching them checks. There you go. And there I you have it. it. He's not good at a whole lot right now. All right. And I think we're done on that note, fellas. We're giving them checks, y'all. <laughs>